Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining this last Lord's Day worship uh, for the year. This is the final Sunday of the year. Obviously, this has been a crazy, uh, weird, faith-stretching, eye-opening kind of year. Uh, we have a only a few days left uh, for 2020, uh, but we're sort of unsure how we will approach this uh, holiday uh, break because of, you know, of obviously the pandemic and what we have been hearing. And on Christmas Day here in Metro Manila, we had an earthquake. So, uh, hindi pa tapos yung 2020, merong pang mga, uh, may humahabol pa na mga, mga challenges and, and some more bad news. And uh, my hope is that as we look at the end of the story in our series, uh, short series on the Book of Ruth, uh, we will also find some good news naman, right? Uh, we will find some encouragement and, and some hope, uh, especially during these uh, troubled, uncertain times. So what I read earlier is the conclusion of the, the book of Ruth. Uh, I read uh, verse 13 to 22 of chapter 4, which is really what we will look at today. But the first part of, of chapter 4 uh, just to give you a, a quick summary, is the part where Boaz uh, fulfilled his promise to Ruth. Remember, uh, nung last Sunday, uh, when we talked about chapter 3, there was a, a, a conversation with Ruth and, and Boaz, and Boaz made a promise to, to Ruth that uh, he will settle the conflict uh, for him to be finally their kinsman, Redeemer. So in, in this chapter 4, the first part, he, nakita yun ni Boaz, the, he, he met, he, he confronted the other relative who's also qualified to be a redeemer for Ruth and Naomi. And he made this proposition to that relative in front of the witnesses. Hindi lang silang dalawa. He gathered you know, some witnesses, some elders in, in the community and people at the gate. And uh, he made this proposition to buy back the land uh, in behalf of Naomi. And sabi niya, if you're going to, uh, sabi niya dun sa other, yung karibal, kumbaga, the other redeemer, he said, if you're going to buy back, uh, if you're going to buy the property of Naomi, you have to marry the Moabite uh, woman as well. Uh, and so that relative was unwilling to fulfill that uh, duty because sabi niya, I will be at a disadvantage. So we, we remember we talked about, you know, uh, 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 a kinsman redeemer, our redeemer must be willing to pay the price to, to settle our debt uh, on our behalf. And that's what Christ is for all of us. And that's what Boaz did uh, for Ruth and Naomi. So there was a symbolic uh, transaction it might look weird sa, sa situation natin ngayon, but Boaz exchanged sandals. Nag-exchange sila ng sandals nung, uh, nung other uh, relative. So, in his statement in verse 9 to 10 uh, in chapter 4, explains really yung role niya as a kinsman redeemer, that he will not just buy back the land, uh, he will take in Naomi, he will also marry Ruth, and yung offspring ni Ruth will be from the line of Naomi uh, and not essentially his. So what do we learn uh, from the ending of Ruth? Ano ang matututunan natin dito? We have been 
you know, gleaning from, from this short book uh, a lot of things. Uh, and last week, one of the things I encouraged you in the sermon was that, you know, we need to take refuge in our Redeemer. But I only mentioned in passing what that brings to us. And, and that is something that I would like to share with you today. What happens when we take refuge in our Redeemer? What happens when we take refuge in our Redeemer? So let me just share uh, three things that happens when we take refuge in Christ our Redeemer, when we have someone who has paid our debt, who has redeemed us from our misery, and has brought us from emptiness to redemption. Number one is that we see a restoration of what was lost. Look again in verse 13. Ito yung quick summary of what happened uh, in, in, in the ending. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. He went into her, meaning they had sexual uh, intimacy. And the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. You know, it's a one statement uh, summary of what has been happening for a year. You know, a pregnancy goes for nine months. There's a marriage celebration, uh, sexual intimacy, and they have a son. So this is a very sh quick summary of what transpired for maybe a year. And, and let me just explain what those words mean aside from, you know, them just being one family. We need to understand the, the weight, the gravity of what was happening here just to understand, you know, the bigger context of the, the book. So remember... Ruth is a Moabite woman, and, and she was married to Malon, uh, the, the other son of Naomi, and they were married for 10 years, okay? So they were married for, for 10 years, and in those 10 years, they never had children, and they never had children. They can still have children, they can still have children, but here's the thing, there's no longer a possibility uh, for that to happen because Madon died in Moab. And the possibility of the leveret marriage, I explained that last week, uh, for the brother to take uh, his place is no longer an option because the other brother died as well in Moab. So really, this is, uh, you know, for, uh, for Ruth, this is going to be a difficult uh, situation. So she is... Uh, she has accepted her, her destiny, her fate, to be that of a widow for the rest of her life. But here's what's happening at that time. If you are an old widow like Naomi, what will happen to you if you don't have children, if you don't have a husband to take care of you? The, the likelihood uh, of your life, you will be a beggar. So if you're an old widow... Uh, there's a high possibility that you will be a beggar. But if you are a young widow like, like Ruth, you will become not a beggar, but a prostitute. Okay? Ruth can become a prostitute because she is a widow. She has no children. She is a foreigner. So for Ruth, to be married to this man of noble character, Boaz, for her to conceive a baby after 10 years of not having a child, for her to have not just a child, but really a son, is not just seen as a good thing. 
it was considered a visible sign of an overflowing blessing, uh, a sign of God's gracious hand uh, over her life. Uh, this short summary in verse 13 is an indication that the Lord is really heavily involved and heavily gracious upon uh, her life and her story, which is why what you will see in verse 13 is that the community is rejoicing. You know, you see the women saying to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. May his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. But look at that verse once again, verse 14 and 15. Akala ko ba si Ruth ang nakareceive ng blessing? Why are they talking about Naomi? Why are they uh, praising the Lord for Naomi and not Ruth? You know, that's because Naomi is the one who needs the redemption the most. Naomi is the one who lost everything in her life. Uh, remember, I mentioned at, as we started this series that although this book is named after Ruth, she is not really the main character in the story. Naomi's name was mentioned more than Ruth, more than Boaz, even more than the Lord, the name of the Lord being mentioned. So we see Naomi being really the, the recipient of the grace and the blessing of God all in all. So Ruth is a critical character and and even the key of Naomi's redemption. So you see the story, you know, starting with a tragedy, right? It, it started with a famine. It started with a death. Uh, but now it ends with a new birth, a new life, new hope, a new joy. Just look at what Naomi lost and, and see how the Lord has restored all these things back to her. Remember, she lost her family. She lost a husband. She lost two brothers, uh, two, two sons, uh, Malon and Kilion. How has the Lord re restored that? She replaced what she lost in Moab with a new family, a nobleman uh, in Boaz, and a daughter-in-law. Look at the description uh, of Ruth. She is a daughter-in-law that's better than seven sons. You know, I, I think that's the, that's the prayer, the ultimate prayer of many mother-in-laws uh, now to have a, a daughter-in-law that's better than her own seven sons. Not only that, the Lord has given a son to Naomi. That's the description. Hindi, hindi, interestingly, the Lord has not given a grandson. The Lord has given a son to Naomi. So the Lord has, you know, is restoring the family of, of Naomi. Number two, her, her property was restored to her because of the kinsman redeemer. She did not have to buy it back. The kinsman redeemer took uh, the, 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 the debt on, on Naomi's behalf. So she got the family. She, the property was restored. Her hope was restored. Again, that, uh, that uh, phrase was used that uh, may the son through the Lord be a restorer of life. Uh, and lastly, 
her identity was restored as well. Remember, when she returned from Moab, she didn't want to be called Naomi anymore. She didn't want to be called sweet or pleasant. She wanted to be called Mara. But at this, you know, towards the end, people still call her uh, Naomi. She retained her pleasant identity uh, despite the bitterness, the emptiness that she experienced. You know, this is a common theme in the Bible that God is the restorer of life that God is our restorer, our nourisher in our old age. And interestingly, what you will see is that when God restores people, when God restores a situation, He restores progressively. Okay? He restores progressively. Meaning, you know, things don't just go back to normal. Merong significant improvement when God restores something. We see that in the story of Ruth and Naomi. What, what she had before uh, is nothing compared to what she has now. We see that in the life of Job. If you are familiar with the story of Job, he lost everything at the start of, of uh, uh, the, the story of Job. But towards the end of that book, everything was restored to him and even more so. His property, his family, his dignity. We see that even in the city of Jerusalem, you know, in, in the time of Israel, in Israel's history, Jerusalem was ruined uh, when they were exiled in Babylon. So you have a city, you have a community that's uh, uh, the temple is destroyed, your city walls are destroyed, the people is no longer there. But what you will see in the book of Revelation is a new Jerusalem that's coming down from heaven significantly more beautiful than the physical Jerusalem at that time, even the Jerusalem that we have now. We see this progressive restoration as well when God promised a new heaven and a new earth. It's not you know, just going back to the original design. It's God restoring what was intended for us. And even our hope, our individual hope of uh, bodily resurrection, that our bodies will be resurrected, that we will be given a new body, is proof that God restores progressively. You know, just think about your, your body right now. Think about how we are susceptible to COVID-19, how we are more susceptible now to this uh, uh, news of a new strain of COVID-19. Think about how we are easily uh, subjected to stress, how we are you know, susceptible to depression, to pain, to, to suffering. You know, the promise of the Bible is that we will have a resurrected body that's even better than your peak situation. Think about what's the best age you think you had the most um, you know, physical condition. Is it when you, when you were early 20s, you're the prime of your life? The, our resurrected body is, is even better than that. And that's the promise that we have, that one day we will have this uh, physical appearance that will no longer experience pain, that will no longer experience suffering or sickness. So we take refuge in our Redeemer. Uh, when that, and when, when we do that, we see 
the restoration of what was lost. Number two, we see rejoicing in the community. I mentioned this uh, in passing kanina. So we see not just a restoration individually of what was lost, we see also the community rejoicing with us as well. You know, even though this story involves, um, it, it actually revolves around Ruth and Naomi and Boaz, the story does not really just happen without any involvement of the community. Look at how the elders uh, and the people at the gate in their community were witnesses uh, and participants of that redemption transaction that happened uh, at the first part of chapter 4 in verses 1 to uh, one to 12. Look at the, their proclamation in verse 11 of chapter 4. Then all the people who were at the gate, so hindi lang sila mga osyoso, hindi lang sila nakikichismis, hindi lang sila nagbibideo ng nangyayari, and, and the elders were there, uh, not just to, to see what's happening, they are saying, we are witnesses. Not only that, we will pronounce a blessing to you and your family. This is the blessing. May the Lord make the woman, Ruth, who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrata and be renowned in Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this woman. You know, they, they are releasing blessing to Ruth, to his integrity and reputation, and blessing to his whole household. And in this blessing, there were a special mention of three women, Rachel, Leah, and Tamar, uh, three women who had color, colorful history as well. It was not a perfect uh, story, as you will see uh, in, in Genesis. So the community is involved in witnessing uh, the redemption and blessing uh, what Boaz is doing. Not only that, the women in the neighborhood uh, were also involved in blessing Naomi. Again, looking at uh, verse 14, and the, the women, specifically the women, hindi lang sila nagchichismisan, <laughs> hindi lang sila gumagawa ng viral news. They were blessing the Lord. And they said again in verse 14, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer, and may His name be renowned in Israel. You know what's even more uh, amazing? They were not just praising the Lord, they were involved in the life of the baby. You know how? It was the women who gave the name to the baby. Look at verse 17. The women of the neighborhood gave him a name. It was the women in the neighborhood, not the father, not Ruth, not Boaz, not Naomi, who gave the name. They said, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed, meaning servant. It says he was the father of Jesse and the father of David. So on Naomi's lap, sleeping, nursing, is the baby that will soon be uh, become Israel's greatest king. And the community, the women, had a hand in naming that baby. What they are saying, what that implies is that the community is sharing the joy, 
sharing the redemption story of Naomi when when she, when she was you know empty and bitter ang 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 response ng community sa kanila sa kanya is is that Naomi siya ba yon hindi na namin siya ma-recognize because you know maybe a, a change in her demeanor and 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 face because of uh, you know a decade of misery but they are saying here we we want to have a hand in naming this baby because we are in this with you we are in this journey together you know remember naomi understood her emptiness about the source of her emptiness um, she explained uh, in verse 1 uh, in chapter 1 that the lord really is the one dealing with her bitterly uh, is the one that's heavily uh, punishing her and the pronouncement of the women here uh, is really an improvement of of that concept on 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 how uh, Naomi understands her uh, her predicament so what they're saying is yes yes Naomi God has been ultimately the authority over your life over your misery Uh, the lord ultimately is responsible in your emptiness but but that may be true the lord has not left your side the lord has not left you without a redeemer the lord has in fact restored your life even more so now you know what a great blessing brothers and sisters what a great blessing to be part of a community who will help you see a clearer picture of who God is when you forget who God is what he has done when you forget the gospel when 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 we are bitter when we are empty when we are envious when we are angry what a blessing it is to be part of a community that will remind us of what God has done what he is going to do what he has accomplished because of Christ And, and and I hope that's something that we will develop as a community. You know, there's uh, I don't know if this is an actual event or maybe a social experiment, but I've seen this video on social media uh, many many months ago. Uh, there's this guy uh, entered a food court. Uh, he sat on one of the tables, uh, and this guy had a birthday cake. Meron siyang dalang birthday cake. Meron siyang birthday hat and he placed a candle on the birthday cake and he sang a birthday song for himself and he blew the candle of his birthday cake. So basically, he's celebrating his birthday on his own. And obviously, people at the food court will hear that and they will be curious. And, you know, just imagine like the, that's really a sad picture. I, I was really glad to see the uh, the the people at the food court uh, going towards the the guy and you know helping him celebrating with him taking his photo uh, as if uh, saying you don't have to celebrate on your own you know my friends that's what it means to be part of a community we don't have to celebrate on our own we don't have to suffer by ourselves and even more so We don't have to uh, celebrate and and be joyful on our own. And, and really, that's a difficult thing to do. 
you know, when we take matters in our own hands, like what Elimelech did in chapter 1, we see how the sorrows, the misery multiplies and the tendency to isolate ourselves, the tendency to go away from the promise of God. But when we take refuge in our Redeemer, He also causes our joy to multiply, not only for ourselves, but this joy is meant to be shared with others. You know, that's the theme that we see in the book of Psalms. Uh, that's reminding us to, to rejoice together. Look at Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. You know, if I stop there, it will be like me celebrating my birthday on my own. But he did not stop there. The psalmist did not stop there. Verse 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. There's beauty. There's multiplication of joy when uh, we experience the redemption of God together. And, 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 and my friends, I, I hope that you know, we as a, a community will celebrate many milestones together. Let's show the world that those who take refuge in Christ, our Redeemer, have reasons, have 10,000 reasons to celebrate even in the midst of troubled times, even in the midst of uh, uncertainty, even in the midst of opposition. That's what we have. The last, the last thing we, we see and experience when we take refuge in our Redeemer is that we see a bigger story unfolding. We see a bigger story that is revealed in this uh, redemption story uh, of Ruth and Boaz and, and Naomi is really a microcosm. It is a, it is a scaled-down model of a bigger story that is happening. There is a bigger redemption story with uh, that's uh, outside of the, the small, close-up, zoom-in redemption story of Ruth and Naomi. You know, normally, when we look at a, a love story, a, a good uh, rom-com or a love story will end with the main characters living together, they live happily ever after, and they have children. And that's what we have, right, in, in, in that verse uh, 13 to, to 17. But at the end of this book, we see an editorial update, something like an epilogue that ends the, the whole book. Uh, it reminds us that there is a bigger story that's happening uh, outside of this story. What is that epilogue? That epilogue is... A genealogy, just talking about the generations of Perez, that Perez is the father of Hezron, Hezron is the father of Ram, Ram is the father of Aminadab, Aminadab is the father of Nashon, Nashon is father of Salmon, Salmon is the father of Boaz, Boaz the father of Obed, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse fathered King David. You know, at the start of this series, I, I mentioned that there is a reason why we are going through an Old Testament book in a Christmas season, uh, particularly this, this book of Ruth. Uh, 
And this is the reason that that genealogy is really the reason. If you take uh, this last five verses, itong epilogue na, that we just read, verse 18 to 22, if you take this last five verses and then you open your Bible in, in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 1, verses 3 to 6, you will see almost the same genealogy. It's like Matthew, the writer of that gospel, did a copy-paste of what he, he saw in, in the book of Ruth and again in, in the Chronicles. You know, that, that means this short book concerning uh, an insignificant family of, uh, of Ruth and Boaz has a, you know, has a connection, has a connection with the story of the Bible. It's connecting the family in Genesis down to the people in the promised land and connecting that to the time of monarchy in King David. And now, because we have the gospel according to Matthew, the story is brought forward to Jesus. This, this uh, seemingly a love story from the Old Testament is now connected to Jesus himself. So what we see here is that story after story, generation after generation, person after person, life after life, God has been preserving this family that will bring forth the Messiah. And he has been doing this. He has been preserving this family despite human weaknesses, despite their limitations, despite their sinfulness, in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of misery, in the midst of their idolatry, the Lord has been preserving this family one story after another, one generation after another. And, and God is developing this grand story that affects not only Ruth or Naomi, not only affecting uh, Israel in the time of David, but it's affecting all creation, including you and me. So for Ruth and Naomi, their redeemer in this story is Boaz, and he's a good kinsman redeemer. For the Israelites, their champion, their redeemer, their hero, their king is David. But for all of us today, our redeemer, our champion, our hero, our king, our Lord and Savior is Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah. And all those names, Boaz, David, and Jesus, all come from the same family line. How amazing is that, that we see all this connection because of this seemingly simple story found between Judges and Samuel, that this small book, this short love story is the link that connects the Genesis story, uh, the, the, the covenant promise of God to Abraham, to the covenant promise of God to Abraham's children, including you and me. This is that link. This is the story that links that, those two things together. And so we see 
this, this story being revealed as we look at the end of the book of Ruth. So friends, do you even think uh, that your story is so insignificant that God ought not to be involved? I, I hope that you will not think that your story is not important, that your story is insignificant. You know, every detail in your life, whether it's past, present, or even future, God is weaving your story, your, your prayers, your hopes and dreams, your unanswered prayers, your heartbreaks. God is weaving all of those to connect your story with the rest of us here. If you're thinking, you know, as we are in this Zoom together that you have some uh, unknown story that's uh, not connected with other stories here, in the grand scheme of things, God is connecting all our stories together and he's connecting all our stories with the grand story that he has for all of us. And that is the gospel story. So as we end this year with this last Sunday with this last worship service before we close 2020. Think about the moments that you had this 2020. Think about what you went through. Take this uh, opportunity to, uh, to reflect on uh, a, a summary of your year, your 2020. Think about how your life has changed. Are there things that you lost along the way? Maybe some of you lost some privileges, uh, the opportunity to travel. Maybe some of you lost uh, a job. Some people lost finances. Some of you maybe experienced this 2020 year that like your joy was extinguished. Uh, you, you can find seemingly the joy to, to move on, to move forward. And you, you find yourself becoming angrier, bitter, and envious of uh, the people around you. Uh, and, and some actually lost loved ones uh, this year. Uh, and, and for them, it was difficult to celebrate the holidays. Uh, just this year, people in our network of churches, some people that I worked with, some people that I prayed for, some people that uh, I, I did the membership class in, my, in our previous church plan, I went home to be with the Lord, and it was very uh, unexpected, and, and that was a, a tough uh, uh, experience. And think about how we were forced to isolate uh, from each other this year. How you know our, our situation has caused us to view one another, view the situation with cynicism. How we have grown to be bitter and not trust our leaders, uh, and not trust even one another, and not even trust the content that we see on the news, or the content that we see on our, on our social media platforms. You know, as you feel the weight of those things, the things that was lost, uh, the things that's uh, bringing you to more... Uh, bitterness and, 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 and depression and distrust. Think about how God, who has been faithfully restoring his people and their story, think about how God will faithfully restore our situation. 
how he will restore everything beautifully. I want you to remember that God will not just bring things back to normal as if COVID never happened. He will do something better. That he will restore people. He will restore institution. He will restore situation, not just from a, a, a normal, typical standpoint. He will do that uh, with a glorious finish. He will make everything beautiful in his time. Also think about how our Redeemer has brought us together uh, through this uh, technological, uh, technological means. I uh, really thought that we will never have a worship service. This church plant will never have a worship service for this whole year. But here we have, we are finishing this year with a worship service. And we have this despite the difficulties, that there is still a way for us to rejoice together. Lastly, when we think about uh, this year, it's so easy to be discouraged. But perhaps like the book of Ruth that we have studied for four Sundays now, it started with a tragedy, with emptiness, but now it ended with a full redemption, not just of Ruth, not just of Naomi, not just of their community, not, uh, not just of their entire country, but the redemption of all the people in this world because of Jesus Christ. You know, think about how the story is revealing a bigger story. And that means 2020 is really just a small chapter in that story that's much bigger with an ending that's much more glorious uh, than what we can ever hope or imagine. So my friends, uh, if you are done, if you are done with 2020, uh, if you are not sure what 2021 looks like, my encouragement, my final encouragement for, uh, for us as we close this year, be patient. The story is not over yet. Be patient. The story, your story, our story is not over yet. And we have a glimpse of how the story ends uh, with Christ returning, restoring everything so beautifully. And that's the hope that we bring for 2021. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we close this year with your word, as we close this series, being reminded that the story of Ruth and Naomi and Boaz is really not just about them, but the story of how you are preserving the lives of the people, pointing to the Messiah. And because of that, we have hope. We have hope that our Redeemer uh, is alive. Our Redeemer is reigning and ruling over all of us. And our Redeemer will one day return to restore what was lost. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here. They have, some of them lost uh, a lot of things this year. Uh, some of them, uh, yung mga plans nila for, for the, this year have been disrupted and even uh, canceled. Uh, 
some, some of my friends here lost loved ones. Some of them lost uh, our joy, uh, our, our desire to, to, to plan ahead because we can see a bright future ahead of us. Lord, we put our hope in you, our Redeemer, that you will restore everything uh, beautifully, uh, that you make all things beautiful in your time. Uh, we we uh, hold on to that promise. Lord, when, uh, when our tendency uh, is to isolate uh, from one another, when... Uh, when we tend to suffer on our own, would you remind us that we have a community that will show us uh, a clearer picture of who you are? Lord, encourage us to be accountable uh, with one another, that we are in this together, that we are in this journey together, that you have called us not just as individuals, but as your people, as your family. And so uh, I pray, Lord, that we will have uh, great milestones together, that when uh, we have burdens, we will carry it together, and that when we have things to celebrate, we will, uh, we will cause uh, joy uh, uh, for each other when we, when we celebrate them together, that we will be genuinely happy uh, with each other's um, milestones and successes. Lord, as we look inwardly and, and see that you know, there's no hope in our story, and 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 when when things don't look uh, optimistic in our 2021, uh, remind us, Lord, that you are developing this great story that involves all of us, that we have the great storyteller that's weaving all our stories together, and we look forward to the ending of that story. That's much glorious that we can ever ask or imagine. We praise you, Lord, that we have this hope. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.